It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being with us all week long and uh, filling out the week with us, too. We have a big hour. Admiral James Stravitas, former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, brings us instant insight on China, the threat, and why we're not giving them any consequences for the hacks that we confirmed on them, as well as our, our dismount from Afghanistan and our willingness to lose. Jonah Goldberg wrote about it in the dispatch, and he just said, listen, I'm not for staying there forever, but we had a sustaining force of 2,500 troops. There was a balance there. Taliban was at bay. They couldn't penetrate. Every day that we were, uh, the, the sitting government was there uh, was another day they got more sure of footing. Bottom line, it was in our interest to stay. Why are we choosing to leave like this? We'll discuss all that and, of course, take your calls, one 408 7669 as well as the developing stories. Uh, and we have a huge day yesterday to recap. Let's get started. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Fabric, the easiest way to get affordable life insurance. Learn how to protect your family against the unexpected at meetfabric.com slash Brian. Number three. I think Nancy Pelosi's making a big mistake. She's going to insist that the socialist bill pass first. Good luck with that, and she's going to throw the bipartisan bill over and hold it hostage, and I hope Kevin McCarthy will hold the troops and say, we're not going to play that game. In the House, of course, that was Senator Lindsey Graham, who's for the bipartisan bill. Debate begins on that bill, the infrastructure bill, today in Washington on the Senate floor. And the diabolical moves being made behind the scenes for a massive lefty package, which will include social and green spending uh, that Republicans bargained out of the first package, question, knowing this, should the GOP even go along with the first package? Number two. Months after becoming the White House point person on the migrant crisis, Kamala Harris unveils a five-point plan to combat root causes of illegal immigration, but the administration admits it won't deliver immediate results. She emerges with a plan. Yes, the vice president, given the assignment to bring the border under control, has failed precipitously and spectacularly. Yesterday, she announced her plan and priorities, and it shows how out of touch and out of her depth she actually is. We will bring you the utter chaos and why a sense of hopelessness reigns supreme with ICE. Number one. The CDC recommends you wear a mask when you're in public and indoors. That's true for both the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Even if you've been fully vaccinated, you could have the Delta variant in your system and spread it to someone who isn't vaccinated. Back to the future, a panicked administration efforts to explain the new mandates for the vaccinated and unvaccinated. I stand unpersuaded and unconvinced. Behind the scenes, the administration is confused and conflicted. And here's why. I mean, just look at the cover of the New York Post right now. Cover the New York Post. Okay, 161 million people are vaccinated. 5,601 are experiencing breakthroughs. Breakthroughs because that means you're vaccinated and somehow you got COVID-19. You're getting mild symptoms, not even a cold or you're asymptomatic, which means no symptoms. 5,000 have been hospitalized. Out of 161 million, that's a percentage of 0035, 3.5%. Yes, 1,100 have died. 
The chances of that happening, 0.007%. And 74% of all those with breakthroughs who have been double vaccinated are over 65. But yet, you're saying, I cannot guarantee that school is going to open. Yet, you're saying, I can't guarantee lockdowns are not going to happen again. Yes, I am saying with possession where the variant is prevalent, you should mask up vaccinated or unvaccinated. Yes, I am recommending $100 to incentivize people to get a vaccine. Yes, I'm demanding that federal workers get paid for taking a day off. And every worker should get paid for taking a day off. Companies will be um, reimbursed. They are going to force the military to get it because there's nothing stopping the military from being forced to get it. What is going on here? They're acknowledging the war has changed. They are improving public understanding of breakthrough infections. Fine. The risk of severe disease, disease or death is tenfold. But the numbers don't add up to that. I'm giving you an internal CDC document. Universal masking for source control and prevention. Forget it. I am not doing that. Got the vaccine already. And for those who didn't that don't want to do it, you're the ones at risk, not me. If you have an underlying condition, you know it. You don't need me to say it. You don't need protection from me. Remember when Joe Biden said this. The CDC announced that if you're fully vaccinated, you no longer have to wear a mask. If they are vaccinated and they are not wearing a mask, they are safe. If they are not vaccinated and they are not wearing a mask, they are not safe. If, in fact, you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected, and you do not need to wear a mask. Okay. That was then. So we go about our lives. We stand up our businesses. We get ready on Labor Day to welcome back most people to their offices. And then Joe Biden says, well, we got a variant and we got to get over 60% double vaccinated. Okay, fine. But with natural immunity and the double vaccination and the best vaccines in the world, what are we worried about? Cut one. The CDC recommends you wear a mask when you're in public and indoors, like work or in a grocery store. That's true for both the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Why? Because even if you've been fully vaccinated, and protect it from severe illness from COVID-19, you could have the Delta variant in your system and spread it to someone who isn't vaccinated. We need to wear a mask to protect each other and to stop the rapid spread of this virus as we work to get more people vaccinated. Okay, here's the thing. What are you talking about? You just said something that makes it. I got vaccinated. Maybe you got vaccinated. I respect you if you didn't. And if you didn't, you're the one at risk. I'm not going to walk around trying to protect you because of a decision you made. I'm not judging you, but I'm not going to be affected by you. Are you kidding? The stats don't line up that our, our lifestyle should be altered at all. It protects us against it. And once in a while, there's a breakthrough in a very small percentage of people and you get mild symptoms or no symptoms. Let me live my life. Cut eight. Last month, a study showed that over 99% of COVID-19 deaths have been among the unvaccinated. 99%. This is an American tragedy. People are dying and will die who don't have to die. Okay, a couple of things. Who's dying? People getting hit by cars at a greater rate. People get sadly are choking to death at a greater rate. Who is dying? I would, look, look, let's go to the front page of the New York Times. Every single day on the New York Times, they put in what's happening over the last two weeks. So let's look over the last two weeks. By the way, the women's soccer team is tied 1-1 uh, with uh, the Netherlands. Uh, they have their hands full. 
I'm not sure they even want to be on the podium uh, and win the gold and have to be forced to listen to the national anthem anyway. New cases up 150%. So that's 71,000 cases. That's nothing compared to the, the height of the environment. Over the last two weeks, 321 deaths. We got 300 million people in this country. That's up 15%, of course, still low, but 15% of a number that low, it doesn't take much. If it doubled to 600, so all of a sudden it'll be 100% up, people panicking. Look at the map. There's hot spots, which will be not hot spots in a short time. People are going to be motivated to get it or not. We have freedom of will. And I think these jobs, if you're in a private industry, you can do what you want. You can mandate what you want. You can uh, weave in some testing. I get it. Dan Crenshaw, right on the money. Cut 19. Now, it defies common sense. They're not going to show us anything because, look, the, the vaccines are actually effective. We, yes. uh, I, I actually believe the FDA's data on this. Not only are they effective, but the FDA still stands by their assertion and their assessment of the data that says that the vaccines here in the United States are effective against transmission, including the Delta variant. Yes, exactly. So, so the CDC is in direct confrontation with the FDA. Um, I believe the FDA on this one. I think, I think they tend to be more risk-averse, and so they tend to get the science a little bit more right uh, more often. And, and I think the CDC has been politicized in this case, I think, from pressure from the administration. Lastly, it links, and I've been linking this all week, and so have you. You're telling me I'm vaccinated and I'm safe, but for 99% of the people that are going to be hospitalized are unvaccinated, right? You're really looking out for me, right? I don't like it, but you're looking out for me. And you're upset at me, President Biden, because you thought I was smarter than that to get vaccinated. We've heard all the comments, but we have not heard you do anything at the border where people from around the world are flooding in overwhelming Border Patrol, over a million people, many of which logic tells you, stats reveal, have this virus. We've seen it. They're not being tested. They're not being given any PPE. They're not being isolated. We don't have the facilities for this. We don't have enough hotel rooms in the country for this. Then you whisper that I'm going to try to naturalize 8 million illegals through some weird uh, reconciliation package. So that's going to be a further magnet. And yet you're looking out for me when it comes to American to American contagion, but you're not talking about the rest of the world coming across our border, which you're doing nothing to stop, nothing to stop, even though we're in a pandemic. Congressman Mike Johnson this morning, cut 29. We're scratching our heads here on Capitol Hill. It's hard to believe that she wants to focus on things, as she said on her list, you know, economic issues and uh, advance the rule of law, she says. She wants to combat violent crime in Central American countries. I mean, is this some sort of a joke? Of course, those are noble goals. But this administration has created those very crises here in the United States. It seems very much to us like this administration cares more about people who are not Americans than it does about those of us who are. And, and it is not a sustainable situation. And they don't care. And I don't. It's a disconnect that I can't get my head around. one 408 7669 Coming up next, Admiral James Stravitas. Our dismount from Afghanistan, our lack of consequences uh, given and handed over to China for their persistent hacking and belligerence. We'll talk about that as well as his book, 2034, a novel of the next world war. In just a moment. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. 
It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Certainly, what we're seeing uh, on the ground in the last uh, in the last week is the Taliban making uh, advances on uh, district centers, uh, challenging some uh, provincial capitals. Uh, we've also seen these reports of atrocities committed by the Taliban in areas that it's uh, that it's taken over uh, that are um, deeply uh, deeply troubling. But can't be surprising. Every military expert said if we pull out entirely, uh, there goes the neighborhood. But they left the neighborhood anyway. Airstrikes last week gave us some hope that they would quickly be able to adapt to the uh, the new shaped battlefield. Admiral James Stravitas joins us right now, uh, author of the best-selling book, 2034, a novel, but based on everything he knows about the next world war, really focusing on China. Admiral, do you really think the Secretary of State's surprised? Boy, if he's surprised, he hasn't been paying attention, not only in Afghanistan, but to U.S. history. Uh, This sort of echoes uh, Vietnam. It echoes the Soviet experiences there. Hey, the bottom line is very straightforward here. Uh, By pulling out, we have significantly reduced the chances of a democratic uh, human rights respecting regime staying in power. But if we want them to stay in power, we better give them over the horizon air power, as you just said. 
I, I love your contacts in just about every major department in, in Washington. And after the success of those airstrikes, the Taliban said, well, we violated the agreement. They violated the agreement by not having peace talks, uh, which they were supposed to. Do you think in the Pentagon they could persuade somebody in the White House that that might be the best way to keep the Taliban frustrated and outside the major districts? I sure hope so. And here we've got uh, a very good secretary of defense, Lloyd Austin, a contemporary of mine, former general, knows the region extremely well. Look, it's not just air power. We've got to provide air power. We've got to provide intelligence uh, so they know what's coming, where the Taliban are moving. We've got to provide logistic support to get the, if you will, the beans and the bullets to the front lines for the Afghan troops. And we need to provide a modest level of financial resources. All that, Brian, can be done with our allies who are willing to do it. It's a pretty small cost, and it will keep the chances at least alive for the democratic regime to keep the Taliban out of power. But I mean, I know I know he's your friend, but if you look at General Austin's track record, he allowed ISIS to metastasize. For some reason, Barack Obama was under the impression that they were the JV team and would not be much of a threat. Uh, he was there when everybody left Iraq and did not really say anything that I know of publicly about the danger of doing that. Is he really the right person to lead the Pentagon? Well, at this moment, what we ought to focus on is his experience in Afghanistan. He commanded the 10th Mountain Division, the core troops that we sent to Afghanistan. He knows the players. He knows that country. Um, I have not spoken with him specifically about the current situation, but knowing him and his background, I am uh, very hopeful that he is pushing hard to maintain the support that I just mentioned. You remember General Mattis's book, he talked about Vice President Biden coming into Iraq and Mattis trying to tell him about the reality on the ground if we left. Sadly, he was 100 percent right. Is that the Joe Biden you know, stubborn to a fault? I think, uh, like all of us, uh, presidents have their specific experiences that shape their worldview. And I think uh, Joe Biden has been quite clear, and I disagree with the president on this, uh, in the idea that we ought to simply cut the cord and walk away from Afghanistan. But he's been consistent on that theme going back to when he was vice president and I was supreme allied commander in NATO. Um, Just because you're consistent doesn't mean you're right. And we'll know more over the next 12 to 18 months. Again, I'm firmly believe we could do all in our power to keep the democratic regime from allowing the Taliban to come in, crush the uh, human rights we've built, massacre our friends and allies. And hey, one bright spot today, Brian, as you probably saw, the first group of these Afghan interpreters uh, have landed on U.S. soil with their families. They're the leading edge of probably 15,000 who supported us in the country. We owe them a chance to get out. We also owe that country a chance to fight for its survival. We do. Uh, I'm glad that they're out. I hope they're being rewarded, but sadly they're doing it because they have to run for their lives because the country's about to fall. That's the sad part of it. But, Jen, I got to tell you, yesterday I saw the Secretary of Defense, General Austin, uh, wearing a huge mask and a shield outside. He's supposed to project strength. Admiral, please, what's going on there? Um, My guess is he's uh, following the protocols of the nation in which he was Outdoors? It's up to the nation that you're visiting to make those protocols. 
so as, as, in terms of whether we ought to be wearing masks or not, I'll tell you what I'm focused on is vaccination. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. And I'm heartened to see the uh, Biden administration mandate vaccinations for the U.S. military. I got every shot known to man in my 37 years in the military. That's part of the deal. And I think the more people who get vaccinated, the better chances we have of getting through this. And Admiral, uh, uh, it's pretty clear there's going to be no consequences for the hack that China bestowed on us that affected so many millions uh, through Microsoft. We got people to condemn, but no action. Does that disturb you? It does. And here I think we've uh, made that leap against Russia uh, when we saw the solar winds hack. We're aggressively going after uh, Russian actors at every level. Bitcoin is disappearing from bank accounts. Uh, online presence of these groups that are effectively sponsored by the Russians are disappearing. That's offensive action. We need more of that. China should pay a price for cyber interference. He's one of the most knowledgeable military minds in the world, and he wrote a great book, 2034, a novel of the next world war. Admiral James Stravitas, thanks so much. See you soon, Brian. Thanks. Jonah Goldberg next on the war and vaccines. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. America's divided between the majority of eligible people who are vaccinated and those who are not. And I understand that many of you in the majority are frustrated with the consequences of the failure of the minority to get vaccinated. But I want you to know I'm going to continue to do everything I can to encourage the unvaccinated to get vaccinated. That includes addressing hesitancy and misinformation head on. Wow, fantastic. What a president. By affecting our lives, you're drilling down and going back on what you said just three, four weeks ago, affecting almost everything we do again, putting our daily activities uh, in the hands of mayors and governors who have proven uh, almost uh, wholly to be ill-equipped to do it. And guess what's happening today in New York City? The mayor will decide his new mask rules, which will affect every business and pedestrian and ratchet up tension like you haven't seen before. Written about by Jonah Goldberg in The Dispatch. He's the editor-in-chief there, and he also wrote about Afghanistan. Jonah, can we tackle both topics? I think we can. Good to see you, Brian. Or hear you. Uh, Jonah, I'm not as good a writer as you, but it's almost as if you wrote exactly what I was thinking. Trying to show patience, trying to show understanding, understood we have this is a once in a generation, lifetime situation, but now this is a pivot point. They've gone too far. Yeah. I mean, again, I I was not pro-mask. I was not anti-mask. I tried to go, I tried to like call each one as I saw it. I gave Cuomo the benefit of the doubt until it turned out that we learned that he lied to protect his book and his presidential ambitions. And 
and then I got furious, but like I've tried really hard not to take a side on this and take each thing as it comes. And at this point, I've just lost faith. I've lost faith in uh, Fauci and Rochelle Walensky and this administration and local officials in Washington. We're going back to a full mask regime this weekend. And there are like, I don't know, I think there are two people in the hospital from COVID. I mean, yep. it's just not a big deal here. And the thing is, is that I would be open to putting the masks back on if the argument were persuasive. But first of all, the argument as they're giving it isn't persuasive. It just isn't. And second of all, they're not providing the data that would make anybody change their mind. And at this point, you can't be cutesy with this stuff. You just you got to put it all out there and let people spend 18 months going to school on all this stuff. Trust the American people with the data, with the information. And if you think that this is necessary, make the case, because on the merits, as we know them right now, this is a terrible idea for the country. It is a terrible and, and you can just feel oh. the teachers unions and some of these people itching to go back to remote schooling yep. and lockdowns. And the way to pitch the vaccine is it's not a vaccine entirely about the disease or the virus. It's a vaccine against lockdown. It's a vaccine against going back to the nonsense that we had for the last 18 months. And I'm disappointed in people who won't get the vaccine, but I'm also disappointed in everybody else pretty much. <laughs> right. And, uh, but, you know, Mark Thiessen did, uh, already texted me. He doesn't like the numbers on the New York Post, but they're still strong. The New York Post has a cover with a bunch of little squares on it, and they're all empty, except for this tiny, tiny little dot in one square in the corner. And it says 161 million VAX U.S. residents, 5,600 breakthrough cases, 1,141 died. So if you look at the 5,601, it's .007 chance that you're going to be hospitalized and almost no chance you will die if you're vaccinated. And if you're unvaccinated, it is your risk. So I am not going to, you're not affecting me. And if I'm, my, if I'm asymptomatic and carrying the virus, I am, might get a cold. I might even, the worst thing that happened, mild symptoms. Why are you telling me I can't stand at a bar? Why can't you tell me I can't go to school and I can't go to my workplace? I did this already. Yeah, again, in a world without vaccines, I, you know, I, I would have an entirely different attitude. But or even in a world where vaccines were hard to get. They're not hard to get anymore. People have been educated on this stuff. I mean, I think the, the FDA really should get rid of this stupid emergency authorization thing and just fully authorize it at this point. Um, but, you know, the problem is with a lot of the vaccine hesitant people, every time it's like whack-a-mole. Every time you debunk or disprove uh, their objection, they switch to another objection. And at that point, it's your problem. It's your hang up. If you're determined not to take the vaccine, fine. You've been informed of the risks. We've already vaccinated most of the most vulnerable people anyway. So most of those vaccine hesitant people won't die. Right. So it's a less, less morally urgent anyway, because all the old age homes, all the nursing homes, they've basically been vaccinated so we're talking about younger people refusing to get vaccinated. I think it's a mistake. I think it's foolish. I think it's selfish. But that's their choice. And why I have to go back to this, you know, this crappy world that we've lived in for the last 18 months, because they won't do it. I just don't buy it. And the only other argument they have is about kids and the odds of a kid being uh, dying from COVID uh, is are, are less, you know, are markedly less than than 
uh, you know, adults dying from COVID. And it's basically like being struck by lightning for adults to be struck, to be killed by COVID if they've been vaccinated. It's just all it's 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 fear mongering. And again, maybe they've got the data, but they keep giving these contradictory statements. Rachel Walensky says your odds of being a spreader if you've been vaccinated are something like a thousand percent greater than what her own agency's date published data says. And so I just don't have trust for these people anymore. And you can tell that the social engineer types want to be stay in control too much, which makes me distrust them even more. Absolutely. And uh, the, with kids especially, I don't know how old your uh, daughter is now, but uh, mine just went into college and is about to go into college. I'll have two into college, one graduated, and they both made it clear you can't come on campus unless you're vaccinated. And the other one, and to play, they're both playing sports. Number two is uh, they spent a year and a half in mass, not going to school when they played a sport because they didn't want to contaminate the team and risk being out for two weeks in a six-week season. And now you are telling the kids left behind they're going back to mass, which means they don't use lockers, which means they don't have gym, which means they're not yeah. going to interact. Now, it's hard enough for high schoolers. But if you tell that to a four or five-year-old, I had a child psychologist on yesterday, this beginning to affect them emotionally. For the junior high school kids with the acne and with the irritation they're getting, let alone the fact that nobody cleans these things, it's counterproductive. And then you have the head of the second biggest teachers union says, I'm I'm even guaranteeing school is going to be open in September in a country that vaccinated six out of every 10 people. you got to be kidding me. Especially, and it's, look, it's, I, 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 can, I want to go on a three-state killing spree. I get so angry when the teachers' unions come up because we have really low vaccination rates, comparatively speaking, for a lot of these urban edu- education systems in this country. You know, and the teachers' unions, they want a system to protect a handful or even a majority. Either way is damnable. Uh, they want to protect a bunch of teachers who refuse to get vaccinated by forcing kids to go to school remotely or to wear masks in school. It is so unbelievably selfish. And they go back and forth between saying we're going to follow the science versus we're going to do what's best for kids versus we're going to do what's best for our teachers. It is The teachers unions are such a pernicious force in this country. Teachers aren't. I think teachers are great, but the teachers unions care more about their own little slice of the pie than they care about kids, than they care about the public. And you know, you're right about the social costs about this. It's not just, you know, look, the death rate is terrible. And, you know, we've lost 600,000 people, more than that already. But, you know, when you add in all the statistical excess deaths from overdoses, from drinking, um, you know, from the, the, the suicide, attempted suicide admissions in ERs, there's just enormous social costs to this. Plus, you can just, you can feel it in the air. Our politics are so ugly, in part because I think, the pandemic has driven people a little nuts. Road rage incidents are way up. Uh, unruly incidents by passengers on planes are way up. I think a big chunk of this crime stuff, yes, some of it has to do with the defund the police stuff and all that, but some of it has to do with locking up whole populations for a year and a half and then people going stir crazy. Uh, and this, yeah. this has got to end. No, I, I hear that and I understand it. Uh, I'm very curious uh, why you never see a president say what you just said. I'm worried about the variant. I'm worried about what it could do. Uh, I'm worried about the unvaccinated, but I'm also worried about the suicide rate. I'm also worried about the overdoses. I'm also worried about crime and anger in the streets. And you, all of a sudden you'd look at that person and say, that's a human being. 
So they say, I, I talked to a child, a child psychologist today. They say it's weird on the four- and five-year-olds. What would stop him from saying, I talked to my grandchild. She's seven years old, and I see it's wearing on her. And I worry. I saw, like, whoa, wait a second. Now I see the whole picture. Now I see a human being up there instead of someone looking, I believe, for power and to condemn people when he used to be and give, his, give me $100 to get vaccinated. So that's going to solve the problem. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about originally was your column on Afghanistan. And essentially what mm-hmm. I got from that is you say, the American people okay with just losing? Are you just okay? I just want to make sure. I'm checking with you. Are you guys okay with just pulling out? We lost two people in a year and a half. Uh, and we lose more, sadly, in training accidents in military bases than we've done in Afghanistan. They were holding the line, keeping the Taliban at bay, keeping an eye on uh, the terror- terrorists taking root there. Also having seven military bases in between Russia and China, not usually a bad thing. And we just are leaving. Has anyone thought this through? I, I don't think so. I mean, look, I mean, look, I understand fatigue with Afghanistan and all this stuff about the longest war. But there's a certain amount of dishonesty or at least, you know, um, distortion going on when we call it the longest war. As you point out, we um. You know, we haven't been in a hot war in Afghanistan in a while. When you have, mo- when you have no combat deaths for over a year, where all of the deaths, which are statistically very few, they're all tragic, but are from traffic, ac- you know, from car accidents and and that kind and training accidents. That's not a hot war anymore. That's more like what we have in uh, Korea or even in Germany or in the Sinai Peninsula, where we have been since the 1960s, and. Uh, and so the narrative, the story of America's longest war was more powerful and broke through more in both parties than the fact on the ground, which was that war kind of just petered out a while ago. And we are now in a base we were in a holding operation, basically an overseas uh, you know, counterterrorism operation, which had the added benefit of keeping us. Uh, you know, in a really strategically valuable position and also helping millions of Afghans claw their way back to a normal life. And I think if, if people had phrased it as we're losing or we're surrendering or we're giving up, maybe the poll numbers would have been a little different on all of this. But Donald Trump wanted to get out, and a whole bunch of people on the right endorsed that idea or didn't object to it. And then Biden obviously wanted to get out, so it made it bipartisan. And there's just not a lot of political capital in in in, in our advantage to fight for this. And I, I you know, and look, I, I, again, I don't like being there. It's not, you know, it, the government there is corrupt. It's a terrible part of the world. But the country, I, I, I will be stunned if the Afghan government in Kabul doesn't fall to the Taliban. I'll be stunned if in a year we don't see, you know, mass executions of one kind or another. We don't see women being sent back into the burqa, little girls being torn out of schools. Um, and if we don't see, you know, the place become, uh, you know, a terrorist safe haven again. And for what? I just I just don't. I mean, I, again, the Biden administration says that we should do that. We have to do this for grand strategic reasons. And I just don't see any of the strategy in it. Yeah, well put. And no one's calling for a hot war and no one's in it since 2014. We changed our posture like we just did in Iraq Again, and we just know that Bob Gates said that for a reason. Joe Biden's been wrong about every national security issue in his entire lifetime. And it was his idea to pull all our troops out of Iraq. We had to go right back in there and create a new and fight a new uh, enemy called ISIS. 
And now he says, I'm pulling everything out. The plan was in place. Oh, that's the plan that Donald Trump had that you liked. Really? Out of you have now he's hesitant to reverse a Trump plan? Wow. Where did that come from? Yeah, no, look, I mean I I, I think it's um I, I, I the, the dead giveaway for me that this was not just done for weird domestic democratic base purposes, but also for just really dumb reasons, is when they <laughs> announced that September eleventh would be the day of the Ugh. withdrawal, would be the final deadline for the withdrawal. That was the greatest unforced, unnecessary giveaway of a propaganda victory to an enemy I can recall in all of human history. I mean, just in terms of the, there was no reason for it, yep. but to say, oh yeah, after 20 years, uh, on 20 years to the day after 9-11, we're going to admit you guys beat us is just dumb. I mean, that's what <laughs> that, that sort of messaging is what uh, inspired Osama bin Laden is when the Soviets fell in Russia. That's what uh, inspired him and inspired his followers to create Al Qaeda. And again, I'm not saying we're going to get another Al Qaeda out of this, but there was just simply no strategic, intellectual, realpolitik reason to say, okay, on 9/11 that's our official surrender date. They could have picked any other date. They chose that one because of some dumb theory about domestic politics, and. It just shows you what was really driving things. I understand. That's why you got to get the dispatch. I used to think it was for Steve Hayes, but now I think it's you, Jonah. I think you are the reason <laughs> to get it. So you are a better selling point. You could tell him I said that. Thanks so much. I will tell him I said that. Thanks, man. Have <laughs> yeah. a good one. Absolutely. 1-866-408-7669. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Your calls and emails are next. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis. Because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. President Biden, how did your meeting on DACA go? It went very well. What I think we, sh- I think we should include in the reconciliation bill the immigration proposal. Do you believe this? So he just, this is how undisciplined or mentally deficient he is. For the second time, with a bipartisan infrastructure deal done, uh, not under his leadership, but under his administration, you have uh, the Republicans, Democrats getting together, signing off on $1.1 trillion, $560 billion fresh money. We don't know the details. You might be for it, against it. That's fine. But what makes people wonder is how in your face or tone deaf can you be? He said everything they negotiate out, they're going to negotiate it out, including tax increases. They're going to put in a reconciliation bill. Translated, that means any uh, all, all you need is every Democrat voting. They'll do it on a simple 51 votes, and they'll put all this green stuff in. They'll put all this uh, all this uh, anything financially related. They're going to try to put in the uh, free daycare, free school lunches, free college. They're going to put in free elder care. Uh, they're going to uh, get rid of student debt. They're going to do that. And they're going to try to get it through the parliamentarian. But they're also going to try to do voting infrastructure to nationalize elections. And they're going to try to legalize 8 million people and DACA kids who are now young adults. 
Eight million people. What do you think that does to the border? And what do you think it does to the people that put blood, sweat, and tears into the infrastructure bill that passed on a bipartisan level? It makes all the Republicans look like flat-out suckers because Nancy Pelosi made it worse by saying, I'm only going to sign on the bipartisan deal if the reconciliation deal is going to be right there to be signed next. So imagine everything, whatever you do, you sign a contract with the workplace. You work on everything being sick days to sick days to vacation days to benefits and pensions. And then as soon as you sign that, another person walks in with a contract that knocks it all out. And you go, what did I negotiate for? Well, that's not my problem because I decide I'm the CEO. I hope that's a good analogy. I think it is. You'll let me know if you don't. Hey, I'll be on Laura Ingram tonight. I'll be hosting at 10 o'clock Eastern time, be on uh, Gutfeld Show 2, following at 11 o'clock, be part of the panel. And be on Dan Bongino <laughs> over the weekend. Uh, I'm taping that on Saturday. On Friday, you'll see it on Saturday. Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, We appreciate you being there and being with us all week. Rounding out this week, uh, this hour, we're going to be joined by Dr. Nicole Sapphire. In fact, she'll be next. And Frank Siller, one of the most remarkable men uh, in America, the most effective in terms of giving for other people. He's chairman and CEO of the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. And you know what he did when his brother ran with uh, all of his equipment right into the towers, ran across the bridge, uh, the Brooklyn Bridge, and was able to go into the towers, save lives, but unfortunately gave his. Frank started this foundation to not only help those who fought for the war, firefighters who uh, were not able to survive the falling of the towers and their families. Now he's helping all first responders. And what he's doing now, walking for 42 straight days from Shanksville, from New York to Shanksville, Pennsylvania, uh, to Washington, D.C., and then to uh, where the World Trade Center once stood. So Frank Siller will be with us live talking about that journey and how you can help. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I think Nancy Pelosi's making a big mistake. She's going to insist that the socialist bill pass first. Good luck with that. And she's going to throw the bipartisan bill over and hold it hostage. And I hope Kevin McCarthy will hold the troops and say we're not going to play that game. We'll see. Debate begins in the bipartisan infrastructure bill in the Senate and the diabolical moves being made behind the scenes for a massive lefty package, which will include social and green spending that Republicans bargained out of the first one. Question, knowing this, should the GOP even go along with the first one? Number two. Months after becoming the White House point person on the migrant crisis, Kamala Harris unveils a five-point plan to combat root causes of illegal immigration. But the administration admits it won't deliver immediate results. Wow, that is uh, Jillian this morning giving us an update. She's, she emerges with, uh, with a plan. Yes, the VP, given the assignment to bring order under control, announces, bring the border under control, I should say, announces her plan and priorities. And it shows how out of touch and out of her depth she actually is. The chaos at the border flies in the face of the clampdown when it comes to COVID-19 throughout this country. Number one. The CDC recommends 
You wear a mask when you're in public and indoors. That's true for both the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Even if you've been fully vaccinated, you could have the Delta variant in your system and spread it to someone who isn't vaccinated. Back to the future of panicked administration efforts to explain the new mandates for the vaccinated and unvaccinated. I stand unpersuaded and unconvinced. Behind the scenes, the Biden administration is confused and conflicted, no question. One person never confused, studies the data, and tells us where she comes up with her opinions, Dr. Nicole Sapphire. She's the author of Panic Attack, Playing Politics with the Science in the Fight Against COVID-19. Dr. Sapphire, welcome back. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. No problem. What was your takeaway from yesterday's clarification on how we're handling the variant? It seems as though when people's heads are spinning, they were going back to the future. Well, Brian, you know, unfortunately, the CDC, the White House, they continue to have a messaging and communication problem. And because of that, it further um, fuels skepticism and breeds polarization. And that's really what's going on right now. Unfortunately, when they put forth updated recommendations, rarely have they given us the data that backs those recommendations. And because of that, that leads us to a very dangerous place when we are still in the midst of a pandemic. Bottom line, Delta variant, it's a game changer in the sense that it is much more contagious. And now that we're seeing, there are higher viral loads in people. And the higher your viral load, kind of the more likely you are to have symptoms and maybe even severe symptoms. But here's what that came out recently. They said they're seeing some increased breakthrough infections in those that have been vaccinated. And they have looked at those infections and found that they're having higher viral loads in the upper respiratory tract. But the message that they missed was the vaccine is doing a great job of uncoupling severe disease from new cases. So while we have a, a lot of new cases, we are still seeing very low hospitalization rates and severe outcomes. And that's the message that needed to come across. Did it? No. Uh, we can't, no, we can't, with this word I learned yesterday, can't rule out more lockdowns, can't rule out remote learning again, no commitment to get kids back in school. It looks like everyone's going to be told or recommended to wear a mask. Misinformation still a problem. There's no problem with Anthony Fauci's misinformation. And now they're so desperate to get people vaccinated, they want to give people 100 bucks. But Dr. Sapphire, I'll give you the non-medical professional point of view because that's the only one I have. When you tell me to get vaccinated, at the same time make me wear a mask and have give me the same restrictions, that's not going to get me over the hump. That's going to have me say, forget it, game over. I'm, not, I'm no longer entertaining that. The, they absolutely need to stop putting forth recommendations that lead to restrictive policy changes that really are not backed by data. And specifically, I'm speaking to masking K through all universally masking everyone in K through 12 schools. That does not make sense. They have yet to demonstrate the data that shows that children wearing masks in schools when all of the adults are vaccinated actually has any form of positive outcome or helps the situation. What I can tell you as a physician, as a mother of three, there are severe risks to young children wearing masks all day long and can continuing to wear masks. Right now, they have taken us to a place of, they have completely decoupled or uncoupled reality from what is happening. They're keeping us in a paralyzed state of fear. And the truth is, that's not the case. If you're saying you're worried about the children, and that's why you want them to wear masks until they can get 
a vaccine? Well, let me tell you, the hospitalization rate and death rate in children, even with the Delta variant, is extremely, extremely low. And we know that because of the data. We look at what happened in India, in Israel, in England, very low hospitalization rates. If they're worried about the teachers or the other adults in the school getting, getting the virus from the children, okay, well, any adult can and has been vaccinated at this point. And if they want another layer of protection, they can choose to wear a medical-grade mask. The good news is if they're vaccinated, if they do get exposed to the virus, they're either going to be asymptomatic or likely have mild symptoms unless they're older or immunosuppressed. In those cases, they should consider wearing medical-grade masks. It does not make sense right now. It certainly does not follow the science to continue masking our young children. So Dr. Jerome Adams, Surgeon General from the past administration, just on with one of your favorite uh, anchors, Bill Hammer and Dana Perino, one of your favorite, not your favorite. Uh, <laughs> this is what he just said about the presser that went down yesterday and the recommendations the CDC put out. I do think it's necessary for two reasons. Number one, uh, we know that there are a lot of people out there who are choosing not to wear a mask who are also unvaccinated. And uh, quite frankly, we need to give health officials and businesses cover to be able to protect their environments and their employees. But number two, and you saw this with the CDC guidance, or CDC information that, that came out yesterday, uh, there's new data that suggests that vaccinated people can be spreading the virus. But I, I think it's important for people to understand the vaccines still work to do the number one thing that we expect them to do, and that's keep people out of the hospital and out of the cemetery. The question was, should, should vaccinated people wear masks? And that's why he said they should. So I mean, see, actually, go ahead. The best part, Brian, I actually emailed Dana after that segment, thanking her for asking the question and saying, unfortunately, you didn't get the answer um, because that's exactly what happened. They said, do kids still need to be wearing masks? What is the data that is supporting you saying children should wear masks? And there was no answer to that because it's not there. And again, focusing on the fact that certain People are choosing not to be vaccinated. Listen, the CDC recommends you get vaccinated. Well, the CDC also recommends you don't smoke cigarettes, uh, but people still do that. And, you know, as someone who works with, in cancer every single day, I see, I see bad diagnoses happening because people are taking those risks in their life, and that's what they're choosing to do. As long as they are not affecting other people, then at some point you have to acknowledge that there are going to be people in this world, in this country, that are going to choose to not get vaccinated. If they do get COVID-19, they have a higher risk of having a severe outcome. But they know that at this point. So we have to move forward the best we can to protect the vulnerable, which we have. We've gotten them incredible vaccines that are highly effective. They may need a booster shot in the fall or the winter. The people who are vulnerable know that they're vulnerable because immunosuppressed patients have always known their their immunosuppressed. So they take proper measures to protect themselves. Yes, we need to continue educating people on the vaccines, but at some point we need to accept that this is what it looks like when a virus is endemic. You're going to have you're going to have pockets of outbreaks, but the good news is the majority of the population has some level of immunity and it will be very rare for them to have a severe outcome. I, this is all about risk benefit analysis. And I thought Dr. Scott Gottlieb who uh, also he always says he uh, serves on the board of Pfizer. He used to work. You know, he used to run the FDA or CDC. The FDA. This is. This, uh, oh no, the CDC. Here. Oh, excuse me. My was right the first FDA. time. FDA. Here's what he said about this variant. He's uh, scratching his head. 
I don't think that we're going to get enough bang for our buck by telling vaccinated people they have to wear masks at all times to make it worth a while. I think we're further into this Delta wave than we're picking up. I've been saying that for weeks. I think, you know, in another two or three weeks, we'll be through this. This new guidance will have a negligible impact on that. I think much more prudent guidance to people would be that if you're vaccinated, you're in a high prevalence area, you're in contact with the virus, you think you might have the virus because you have mild symptoms of it, be prudent, get tested, maybe wear a mask, especially if you're around a vulnerable person. That should be the bottom line guidance we give. Um, CDC, I think, is having a challenge measuring this right now. So the UK got uh, got it was around the corner for the they just are turned the corner in the UK and where they're about two weeks ahead of us. That's absolutely right, Brian. And so I agree with uh, Dr. Gottlieb. Actually, when Scott Gottlieb stepped down from the FDA, I wrote an opinion piece essentially on how sad I was because he's a very smart and pragmatic guy and he does look at the data. And so he's absolutely right. We're usually a few weeks behind the UK. We are going to see a little bit more rise in cases. We may see bumps when, as we head into the fall. But if you look at the UK, the hospitalizations, again, are completely uncoupled. You still are just seeing mostly older people who are being hospitalized, but the hospitalization rate of the new cases is much lower. And in children, they're only still seeing about one to two children per one million be hospitalized. That's a far cry from what we see with the flu in children, where you have about 50 per 100,000 being hospitalized. Right. I just want you to also, something you didn't know and uh, ahead of time, because I wanted to surprise you with that cut, and I obviously I couldn't because you already emailed Dana. Jonah Goldberg, <laughs> while you were emailing Dana, was on with me. And he is somebody said, I've been endlessly patient. And he said, this, this last turn, it just, uh, this changed his mind. He's had it. Listen. The way to pitch the vaccine is it's not a vaccine entirely about the disease or the virus. It's a vaccine against lockdown. It's a vaccine against going back to the nonsense that we had for the last 18 months. And I'm disappointed in people who won't get the vaccine, but I'm also disappointed in everybody else pretty much. How do you feel about that pitch? It's unfortunate, and I I understand where they're coming from. People are very frustrated. A medical, as a medical professional, I'm very frustrated. Um, what I can say at this point is, when I hear some of the verbiage that's coming out of the White House and just other talking heads, you know, they're saying that we should essentially be punitive or shame the people who are not getting vaccinated. But that's really not what we do in medicine. Nope. Okay, uh, we have people who are diagnosed with horrible diseases, cardiovascular disease, cancer, among other things, and they've made bad decisions. But we still care for them, and we do everything we can to protect them. So ultimately, we have to respect people's individual rights. They should, everyone should talk to their doctor. But if for whatever reason they choose not to get vaccinated, they ha- know at this point they are putting themselves at risk. Anyone can protect themselves by getting vaccinated, by wearing a mask if they want to. We have reached a point in the pandemic where lockdowns and strict restrictions are no longer necessary. The majority of the population has some form of immunity and the likelihood of a severe outcome is very low. All right, Dr. Sapphire, pick up her book, Panic Attack, Playing Politics with the Science in the Fight Against COVID-19. And also your show is on Fox Nation right now, right? It absolutely is, where I interviewed interviewed former President Trump. We talked vaccines, Wuhan lab, and more. And you make a surprise um, appearance. Right. I was hoping you'd mention me before President Trump, but I guess that's (laughs) not going to happen. Don't actually surprise you asked me. Don't act like I just barged in. 
Brian, do you know when I wrote the second book, when my editor said, what's your goal with the book? I'm like, you know what I want? I want Killmead. I want Killmead on the back cover, and I want him <laughs> endorsing it because that guy, he's hard to, he's hard to get an endorsement from. So Absolutely. you know what? Goal. Goal achieved. Dr. Sapphire, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'll also read your emails. Um, just write to be kill. Uh, excuse me, killmead. Uh, BrianKillmead.com. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmead. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The anti-vaxxers are criminal at this point. What they are doing to this country is undermining our future. They really are. They're they're taking away the future of this country. Imagine this irony. This is a mayor, the mayor of New York City, where repeat criminals who brutalize elderly women in loot drugstores are quickly released back on the streets. And he thinks people who don't get the vaccine are the criminals. This from a guy who ran for president while the city he governed imploded under the weight of violent crime, homelessness, and disease. This guy calling anyone a criminal is about as hypocritical as me calling anyone a pint-sized pontificator with intestinal distress. Pretty funny. I love the analogy. And he's 100% right. Criminal, because you choose not to get a vaccine. Criminal, maybe you have natural immunity. A criminal because you're not familiar with the technology and you don't want to be braided into doing it. I don't think so. Sandra, listening in Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, WHIO. Hey, Sandra. Hey, how are you, Brian? Good. What's on your mind? Well, I was just wondering, and I I just tuned in to be honest, but what about those of us who are not COVID naive? What about those of us who actually had COVID and um, we have the immunity within our system. They don't want to I acknowledge have- you, Sandra. They don't want to acknowledge the natural immunity that they say is even better than the vaccine. Absolutely. The Cleveland Clinic came out with that. They looked at 52,000 people within their own um, organization, and they they looked at those that were COVID-naive versus those who, those who had COVID. And they're saying that those of us who had COVID actually have great immunity. And I mean, I went on and had an, the first shot and got sick as a dog. So, I, I you know... I'm not going to go back and get the second shot. I just, I, I, I believe and with all my heart that, and I do have, you know, a background in, in biology and chemistry that I, I have a good immune system right now against that. Now, I mean, the Delta variant, I understand there, there might be a little bit difference, but everything that I've read. You have, you're, you're, you, know, you should be things. set between your natural immunity and the yeah, one shot. Be- Absolutely, Sandra. I want you to hear what Admiral uh, Brett Girard addressed that yesterday. Listen, cut 14. Anyone who's not vaccinated and who did not have COVID previously, the Delta variant is so contagious that you're going to get it. It is just a matter of time. If you have prior immunity, if you have prior immunity, you do have some protection. Mm -hmm. But more and more data are telling us that that protection is not so good against Delta. Remember, you can get the flu every year. It's not because your immunity isn't good. It's because the flu changes. And Delta is really a new strain that is different than everything we've seen. So I am real concerned that natural immunity, although real, is not going to be sufficient against Delta. And if you don't have natural immunity and you're not vaccinated, you're going to get Delta. So prevent it by getting your vaccine. Very good point. So we're just trying to give you an education here, Sandra. Thanks you so much for the time. Listen, uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Frank Siller. We have 9-11 is... 
Just about a month away, we're going to be marking 20 years since the Tunnel to Towers Foundation started as well. Frank Siller is doing something extraordinary. I know so many of you even have 10 extra dollars or you have some substantial money, but you don't want to be taken advantage of because these organizations, many of it, the money doesn't go the right direction. I can guarantee you the money to Tunnel to Towers goes exactly where it's supposed to go. I met the people and I know Frank. Back in a moment. And then your calls. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, there's one large study out of England from Public Health England, 92,000 patients. And do you know how many people died in the vaccinated wing of this under age 50? Zero. Do you know how many people died? There were 52,000 people unvaccinated. Do you know how many people died? Six. That works out to 0.08% less than the flu. That's under age 50. Over age 50, it was about half as many people died as were dying last year. So the Delta variant is more transmissible but less deadly. But if you say that, Facebook will take you down. They'll chastise you, take away your birthday, and say you're spreading mistruth. But it's absolutely factual. The Delta variant is more transmissible, but far less deadly than the virus from last year. So why are they panicking? Why is it working their advantage to panic? They had 60% approval rating on how they did it. You know what was also interesting? For the first time, Joe Biden did what we've been asking him to do, and many others, about giving credit where credit is due. Cut 10. The vaccine was developed and authorized under a Republican administration. And it's been distributed and administered under a Democratic administration. The vaccines are safe, highly effective. There's nothing political about them. Nothing political. And they're all blaming misinformation. So let me bring you to talk about misinformation, what social media will do. You just heard Rand Paul refer to it. Dave Rubin, a political commentator, has got a very successful podcast. He said uh, he just got his uh, Twitter account deleted, uh, his tweets deleted by Twitter. And here's the tweet that he got. Let me read the exact quote. Um, he, uh, this is what it was deleted. This is the deleted tweet. Okay. Here's a deleted tweet from Ruben. They want a federal vaccine mandate for vaccines, which are clearly not working as promised just weeks ago. People are getting and transmitting COVID despite the vaccine. Plus, now they're prepping us for booster shots. A sane society would take a pause. We do not live in a sane society. Ruben noticed it got deleted. Says everything I said in that tweet is true. Every single thing I said in that tweet was true. And this is a complete continuation of silencing any sort of dissent. Anyone that questions the narrative is in a lot of trouble when it comes to big tech. And we better fight it because we are running out of time. Does anyone doubt that to be the case? He went on. Who decides that COVID misinformation is? If you're banned from COVID misinformation, Fauci should be banned from the Internet in perpetuity. If if you have any flicker of independent thought, if you have any desire to use your faculties to live in a way that right for you and to be under complete draconian authoritarianism, uh, well, you're running out of time. It's time to stand up and fight, figure out what you're going for, uh, and stand up and fight big tech. So uh, a lot of people are frustrated. 
including impactful people. Uh, Frank Siller is uh, too busy to be frustrated. He's chairman and CEO of Tunnels and Towers Foundation, one of the most effective organizations in the country, uh, marking 20 years since they began uh, when Frank's brother Stephen went through the uh, Brooklyn Battery Tunnel and fought the 9-11 fight, went into the towers. He would save lives, but he would not come out. It would motivate one of his older siblings so from a big family to take action and form the Tunnels to Towers Foundation. And Frank, you're taking action. I want to talk about uh, what you're doing now. But first off, how do you feel as we get closer to closer to 9-11? Well, it's very emotional. Uh, it all comes back to any 9-11 family member. But, you know, it comes back to the whole country. Uh, we remember where everybody remembers where they were, and what happened that day. And uh, I- I'm just praying that the parents that have younger children now uh, talk to them about what happened on to September 11th. Our first mission at the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is to make sure we never forget and honor the sacrifice. And um, so as I get closer, it is definitely emotional. And I'm glad as a country that, that, that we're uh, going to recognize it. Just a little bit, little bit about your background. Uh, just on September 11th, your brother Stephen, assigned to the Brooklyn squad, uh, one, had just finished his shift and was on his way to play golf with his brothers when he got word over the scanner of a plane hitting the North Towner. Upon hearing the news, your brother called his wife, asked her to tell his brothers he would catch up with them later. He returned to Squad 1 to get his gear and drove his truck to the entrance of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, but it had already been closed. Determined to carry out his duty, he strapped on 60 pounds of gear to his back and raced on foot through the tunnel to the Twin Towers where he gave up his life while saving others. Do you have any idea, like, did you have, how did you know he did all those things? Like, who was able to translate that story to you? Well, to be quite frankly, that day, I didn't know whether he got there or not 100 uh, percent. But in my heart of hearts, I knew he got there because this is what firefighters and first responders in our military do. They run right towards the danger. They don't go away uh, from it. And uh, they, uh, uh, in many cases, give up their life while they're doing it. Um, it was told to me by a couple that they saw Stephen uh, come to a screeching halt at the mouth of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel with his with his truck. Uh, got out of it, put his gear on, and ran into the tunnel. And he was seen by uh, Company 239 in the tunnel that was stuck in there because of all abandoned cars. And they saw him run by. And uh, we know he was uh, seen lying live on Liberty and West Street when he was going up West Street and just before he got into the South Tower. And we believe it was the South Tower because that's where he lost uh, 11 brothers that day, firefighters that he worked with every day. Um, and uh, they gave their lives up as well. 343 firefighters, over 60 police officers, 2,977 souls. But, Brian, there was another 7,059 men and women in uniform that have given their lives for our country because uh, we went to war because of what happened on 9-11. And we at the Tunnel to Towers Foundation want to take care of all these families uh, that are left behind. So you formed this foundation, and then you expanded it to other first responders, too, as, as the war, that the hot war somewhat settled down, but there's still families that need a lot of help. So you formed the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. What are you doing uh, to mark 20 years since the attacks? Well, uh, personally, I wanted to do something that was significant and meaningful. Um, I'm going to be walking from the Pentagon to Shanksville to Ground Zero, the three locations that have had such a tremendous loss of life 20 years ago. I want to try to shed a big light on uh, on that uh, remembrance that, that we don't that we don't forget. It's 537 miles um, that I'll that I'll be walking, approximately 15 miles a day, approximately 36 walking walking days. 
And uh, while I'm doing it, I'll be thinking not just of my brother, but all the great heroes uh, that have given their lives uh, on 9-11, for sure, and ever since. And, of course, bring more more people's awareness to Tunnel to Towers Foundation so you can buy, you know, get more of those houses for those uh, families, pay off mortgages for those families, and maybe get those houses fit for people who have been uh, banged up in war or, or fighting fires or, or uh, on, on giving their lives as a, a member of the yeah, police we, force. We, yeah, yeah, we built specially adapted smart homes for our country's most catastrophically injured service members. Those are given two, three, four limbs for our country or, or quadriplegics, paraplegics, traumatic brain injury. Those that can't function the same way that you and I do, we build them a specially adapted smart home. And for those who die in the line of duty for our country or our communities, you know, first responders, and they leave young families behind, we pay off their mortgages. We're going to deliver 200 of them this year for the 20th anniversary, 200 mortgage-free homes uh, so these families don't have to worry about whether or not they have to – they could stay in the houses that they were making uh, all, their, all their memories. We can only do it with the generosity and the kindness and the goodness of America. We ask everybody to go to T, the number two t.org t2t.org and donate uh, 11 dollars a month you know fire department says many hands makes light work if we have a million people come together and that's part of this journey my hope is that we can get a million people come together donate 11 dollars a month the foundation the tons towers foundation we could take care of every gold star family every fallen first responder family that die in the line of duty that leave young kids behind every single year so that is the hope, and that is the mission of what we're doing. Understood, and I think that's uh, it's uh, admirable. If people want to track your 42-day journey, is there a way to do it? I, uh, yeah, they just go to t2t again dot uh, org t2t org, and you can see uh, you know my, my journey along the way. It's already up there uh, where I'm walking. They know exactly. I've got great people that uh, that, that mapped out every square inch for me. So. Uh, they know where I'm going to be before I'm going to be there. So <laughs> I'm blessed with a great team and great volunteers. 20 years we've been doing this. You know, we have the run every year in New York City, always the last Sunday in September. We have 30,000, 40,000 people that retraced my Stephen's final heroic uh, footsteps, that, what he did on, on 9-11. We have, uh, we have tens of thousands of volunteers all over America. We have over 100 events, runs and climbs all over America. Uh, because uh, America is great. We are great. I know there's some loud voices out there that complain about us, but the truth of the matter is uh, there is no greater country that's ever existed because of people like my brother and our our military that are willing to die for you and I, Brian. Right. No, I I hear you, and you get a chance to see the families. Were you surprised at the need, uh, the need to expand the program, continue to grow? Like how much? Because when you lose somebody, you still got bills the next day. And a lot yeah. of times the benefits are just not there. No, it's it's not. And um, and and look, what's the biggest expense we all have in life? It's our mortgage. And to be able to relieve a mortgage, or if they don't have a home, to build them a, a, a mortgage-free home uh, after they lost their loved one because they gave their life for our country or, the, or for our community, with as a cop or a firefighter or you know first responder, uh, it, it's a great way to let them just. Be a mother, in most cases it is a mother, uh, it, it, you know, to, to stay with their children. They don't have to go out and work two jobs or three jobs so they can make the, put food on the table 
and, and, and make a mortgage payment. And people that donate to us can see where their money goes. You know, Brian, we're over 93 cents of every dollar goes to our programs. 93 cents. I don't get paid. I'm a volunteer. I'm the chairman and CEO. My family, my brothers and sisters, we don't get paid. We want to make sure that all the money that comes in goes to these great heroes and these families that are left behind. And, I, and that's a promise and a commitment. We have made a contract with the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. We made a contract with our military and our first responders that they when they go to serve their country or their community and they give their kids a kiss goodbye and they don't come home, we're going to give them a mortgage-free home. Their families are left behind. That's the promise. We ask people to join us on that mission. And once again, donate as a little as $11 a month. You can do more, do more. If you can't do 11 do something. It's a promise that we should all keep with these great heroes. Think of the peace of mind they have when they know they're out there serving, and God forbid something happens, they know their family is going to be taken care of. And that's what we want to give that peace of mind, and we also mm-hmm. want to relieve these families of that burden of their mortgage. And I'll tell you what, it's a big relief, too, because so many people want to give, but they don't want to be taken advantage of. Because as soon as you give, you get besieged by old foundations that want your money, and, I, <laughs> and we get it. But you want to make sure it's the right foundation. Right. And, that, and, and that's never, what you guys we, do. We never give out anybody's information. We've never sold our mailing list. We've never done anything like that. We will not give any of the personal information ever to anybody. So that is a very valid point that you just brought up. And there. you just want to know your money is going to the right place, and it is. And I know that for sure, and I'll stand behind it. And, uh, Frank, I've known you for a long time. I've never seen someone more motivated more effective who's helped more people. And uh, I hope you have brought a few sets of sneakers because 15 miles a day <laughs> over 42 days. I, I know you've been training, uh, so yes. uh, I, I'd love to talk to you right along the now, way. I'm in a park. I'm in a park right now walking. So uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty funny. Yeah, I got plenty of sneakers, Brian. And thank you for your great support. Uh, you're, you're, you're a great American, and, and you, uh, I know you're going to help us uh, get to, the, to, to these other great Americans so they could join us on this mission. Absolutely. And rest assured. Rest assured, I will be talking to you as I'm walking. So awesome. thank you and God bless you. <laughs> You're already proven you could do it. I'm hearing you walking now and you're still able to do this. Uh, Frank Siller, <laughs> thanks so much. Uh, T2T.org, Tunnels to Towers Foundation. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. God bless. You got it. one 408 7669 I'll be back to finish up with calls. I see you up there. I'll be patient. And I'm also getting a ton of emails. Don't move. A radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Mr. President, you said if you are fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. And it's no, I didn't say that. You did. I had to say if you're fully vaccinated in an area where you do not have. Well, let me clarify. In May, you made it sound like vaccine was the ticket to losing the mask forever. And that, that is true at the time because I thought there were people who were going to understand that getting vaccinated made a gigantic difference. And what happened was a new variant came along. They didn't get vaccinated. It was spread more rapidly, and people, more people were getting sick. That's the
He didn't say at the time if people continue to get vaccinated at this rate. He said, we're done with the mask. You get the vaccination, you lose the mask. Everybody knew variants were possible. We heard about that dating back to 1918. The variants can happen. They did happen. We watched it in India. It still said what you said. We watched the various, uh, various variants uh, or throughout the world. You said what you said. We watched it take root in the U.K. It wasn't devastating. It's easier to spread, but it's not more lethal. And still, he got called out effectively by President, by uh, by Peter Ducey. And then he had to, first he said he didn't say that. They realized that's exactly what he said. Then he walked it back. If you want to hurt the vaccination effort, do exactly what he did. Evidently, Governor Cuomo in New York is begging CEOs to order their people back to work. At the same time, they have the ridiculous mandates about to come down from the city. You know this mayor is going to act cautiously and start doing it again, indoor vaccinated mask. You know he's going to say that. He never misses an opportunity to make the wrong decision. And same with this, uh, the governor of New York. Just going through some of your emails now. Uh, masking kids. Uh, mask mandates for kids are ridiculous. Kids with speech impediments can't be affected, can't communicate effectively. Kids with skin issues suffer. I've experienced both of these issues personally with my kids. When my kids wear a mask, they are constantly touching their faces. My four-year-old has a slight speech impediment and is constantly touching her mask when she has to wear one just so people can understand her. This is so much worse than being maskless. My son has eczema, and the mask causes him very painful rashes. I mean, you're going to go back to that, too. Back to that. Are you happy? Joe, John is listening to WABC in Staten Island. Hey, John. Brian, let me, let me say something here. This administration has gone so far backwards in their, in their, uh, their practices that we, we need another president. Because you tell me that city workers and state workers, now federal workers, are going to have to get vaccinated. But if you don't, then you got to get tested. So what does that mean? What, regular citizen has to get tested, but a federal city and state worker will be have the option of not getting tested? Where's the class action lawsuits of just throwing uh-huh. us all out the window because they don't know what they're doing? Absolutely. They're doing I mean, if you want an example, a- look at Washington. The Senate, no masks. The House, same building, masks. And they will arrest you. So they don't arrest people for being a a homicide suspect, a murder suspect. They give an ankle bracelet. But if you're not wearing a mask on the House floor, they'll arrest you. Ryan, WABC, Pearl River. Hey, Ryan. All right. And I just want to remind everybody that the 9-11 attack was a military operation that was planned for um, yeah, I'm sorry we lost yet. I don't have to remind everyone about 9-11. I think people in New York, especially people who listen to WABC, know all about it. Uh, Rhonda wrote me and said, uh, we're talking about the polls and that Joe Biden still has 50 percent approval rating and 46 uh, percent for Kamala Harris. I said, Brian, I don't believe all the polls. I would love for a bobblehead of you. That was our discussion today. Make sure you make it a smile and dimples. I don't want a bobblehead. The last bobblehead made, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, And now I believe he's been totally defamed and defrocked. I don't want that type of result. Brian Kilmeade Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. 
It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Jesse Waters is here. His book is still doing exceedingly well. Does not surprise me. It doesn't surprise him because his confidence is always high. I am not sure why. It's how I saved the world. It's still out there doing well. Uh, and that's how Jesse Waters saved the world. Uh, and uh, Congressman Darrell Issa will be here. What think, what's it like at the border in San Diego? That's his district. Uh, he has seen this issue before. He also is all over recalls. He was really the, the uh, brain. Uh, he was the one who took down Gray Davis and put, helped put Arnold Schwarzenegger in that spot. What about this? Does it remind you of the same thing as he goes back to Congress now? And you saw what happened yesterday with this mask. The House has to wear it. Republicans don't want to. Now they're threatening to arrest them. On the Senate side, same building, no masks. Go figure. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I think Nancy Pelosi's making a big mistake. She's going to insist that the socialist bill pass first. Good luck with that. And she's going to throw the bipartisan bill over and hold it hostage. And I hope Kevin McCarthy will hold the troops and say we're not going to play that game. That would be interesting. The debate begins for the bipartisan infrastructure bill today. And diabolical moves being made behind the scenes for a massive lefty package, which will include all the social programs and green spending Republicans bargained out, including tax increases. Question, knowing this, should the GOP even go along with the first one? Number two. Months after becoming the White House point person on the migrant crisis, Kamala Harris unveils a five-point plan to combat root causes of illegal immigration. But the administration admits it won't deliver immediate results. Yeah, she emerges with a plan. It is worthless. Yes, the VP, given the assignment to bring board the border under control, has failed spectacularly. We'll bring you the utter chaos happening at the border and how it all relates to COVID-19. Number one. The CDC recommends you wear a mask when you're in public and indoors. That's true for both the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Even if you've been fully vaccinated, you could have the Delta variant in your system and spread it to someone who isn't vaccinated. Back to the future. A panicked administration efforts to explain this new mandate for vaccinated and unvaccinated. I stand unpersuaded and unconvinced. Behind the scenes, the Biden administration is confused and conflicted. Uh, They're following the science. No, they're not. Uh, We have no idea what they're following. Jesse Waters here to try to make sense of it. Co-host of The Five, host of Waters World on Saturdays at 8 o'clock. And the best-selling book, How I Saved the World. You can follow him at Jesse B. Waters. Jesse, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. So kind of compelling thing. We'll bring you some of the highlights. But Henry Cuellar, Democrat congressman from Texas, with a press conference with Senator Lindsey Graham. It is nuts at the border. I've never seen a problem where one side addresses it and the other side chooses to ignore it and no one questions them on it. The media dropped it. Remember, it was pretty hot in the spring and then they just stopped covering it. What are they covering now? Masks. They just forgot about the border. And I'm glad that you know what they're covering January 6th. They're covering January 6th. So if you're serious about the pandemic, then get serious about the border. You can't have it both ways. You can't say we're going to arrest vaccinated Americans for wandering around the Capitol, but not arrest unvaccinated, unmasked migrants from third world countries. What about the fact that they actually are going up to 50? Now, 50, uh, Quayer told me on Wednesday it's 55,000. Over 55,000 illegals. They don't even give them a court date now. They give them addresses. Tell us where you will settle, and we'll, these are the addresses of the ICE agencies near you where you can go and report yourself. And they're not showing up. 90% yeah. are showing up. And you're saying the number 50. 
thousand. That's just the people that aren't getting court dates. They've re- already released into the interior hundreds of thousands. I think about 40 percent of the migrants that they catch crossing, they end up releasing. Yeah, I want to bring you to uh, that question because Steve Ducey actually asked it of Corinne Jean-Pierre. Oh. Uh, asked her about Corinne yes, Jean. She is, I love this, the principal deputy. Principal right? deputy. See, I thought the most interesting description of a job was enterprise reporter for uh, Lawrence <laughs> I'm Jones. actually the principal deputy on the five. Real principal deputy, <laughs> right, as opposed to what Dana is. Right. The de- just deputy. Deputy. And the chairman would be? Would it be Gutfeld? Let's give it to Greg. Right. You got it. I think he needs it. Uh, <laughs> here's, uh, here's what she said about what is happening at the border as it relates to COVID-19. Cut 26. If scientists come to you at some point down the line and say, it is our opinion that there should be shutdowns and there should be school closures, you would do that? Well, we listen to, like I said, we listen to the CDC and the, the expert and the, and their guidance. Um, our, you know, our, the, the CDC is a, is a body that is very well respected. No. And uh, we follow, again, we follow their guidance. You talk about this administration having a priority of protecting the American people. Can you help us understand? Why is it that the federal government is asking vaccinated Americans to wear masks to stop the spread of COVID-19, but at the same time, federal agents are also releasing COVID-19 positive border crossers into small towns in Texas. How is that? If anyone exhibits signs of illness in CBP custody, they are referred to local health systems for appropriate testing, diagnosis, isolation, and treatment. CBP takes it, it its responsibility to prevent the spread of communicable diseases very, very seriously. Glad that's all. Oh, so they're sh- uh, so <laughs> showing symptoms. Yes. So you have to be dying, sniffling, sneezing droplets all over the place. And then you know what they're going to do, Brian? They're going to refer you. To the to hotel. A doctor. They're going to yeah. refer you right. there. I mean, that's not a problem. And we'll pick up the tab on that. And we'll pick up the tab on the hotel. And we'll pick up the tab of, of your transportation. Yeah. How does this make sense? So if you look at all of the hot spots in the south on a map, a lot of these places are in the southeast. And if you see in Mississippi, if you see Arkansas, that is the funnel that they're driving these people through into the buses. It going to Houston, you're going to Mississippi, Atlanta, into Florida. You can't explain that any other way than saying, well, maybe it's because we're busing COVID-19 positive migrants into these towns. There's no other way to explain that. How do you format a show, uh, any type of new show on any network, and not include this in a talking point or a, a reporter hit? I watched um, I, I watched CNN the other day because I want to torture myself. I watch it very early in the morning sometimes. They never include it. I watch able to see. Well, these that's quad when you know here. they're not serious about the pandemic. Because if you were serious, you would do something about the border. At least cover it. If if you can, if you really care about reducing cases, it's not even about deaths anymore. They've just skipped deaths because no one's really dying at a, at a, at a rate that's alarming in any way. If you care about the rise in cases, you do something about the border because you're bringing right. in positive cases. So, uh, Jesse, I want you to – I want to weigh, get your opinion on the infrastructure bill. A lot of Republicans torn on this, but I do want to get you this question. When you first came on uh, a couple of weeks ago, you put – not only is the book out there, but the book isn't about something. It's about you. You said this is kind of weird. you got to talk about yourself, which you're comfortable with, <laughs> but talk about stuff, uncomfortable stories. What has it been like 
talking about yourself so much, having people read these stories and think, oh, my God, did I write that? I'm still not sick of talking about myself. You're still? You're still I can you find yourself fascinated? It's the only thing I really know. <laughs> <laughs> but after I did finish the book, I was a little sick of reflecting on my life. But um, I took a break, paused. Now we're in the book tour phase. And, and what's it like? I'm loving it. You I went to the Nixon Library. There. I went to the Nixon Library. Your Belinda. I love saying your Belinda. It's like Calabasas. Right. It's a great word It goes to on say. and on and on. And we sold out. Uh, never had a crowd that size. I sound like Trump, don't I? Yeah. Never had a crowd that size. There were people Biggest outside ever. waiting right. around. But it was fun to sell books and take pictures and meet people. And it's fun to actually, Brian, meet people again. Pandemic's pretty much over in Orange County. So you can actually shake people's hands and say right. hi. And that was nice because I need that kind of ego and, and, of course, I, I know you do because Fulfillment. a lot of people are concerned about your self-esteem. Yes. But, uh, again, we watched you, and I see some pictures of you at the podium, but not the crowds. They, they, the media doesn't want to show the crowds. <laughs> they, they just don't <laughs> want to the show the— The red lights go off when you <laughs> show them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, when we come back, uh, I'll bring you whatever it would, the Democratic Republicans said about what's happening at the border in Washington, see if anyone's going to cover it. Then what happened, what's happening today is fascinating. They're debating a trillion-dollar bill, which would be a story, the biggest spending bill in 10 years. However, what's happening next is I think can really do some serious damage to the country and might forward the left-wing agenda in a way we might not be able to stop. That intriguing story will be followed up with me and Jesse uh, in studio. And in case you are not watching live, you have the opportunity to do it, go on Fox Nation. And this whole thing's going to be posted on YouTube. By the way, Jesse has a book signing. This is why you're on, because you know we have WRCN and WABC that could help fill out, not that you need our help, Northvale, New Jersey at Books and Greetings. That's coming up August 4th, Wednesday. Do you know have a time? Roughly 7.30. 7.30. And I'm also doing one in Manasquan, New Jersey on August 1st, Sunday at 5.30. But they told me to stop promoting it, Brian. Because too many people have responded. Is that true? It is a fire hazard now. Now, where is Ma- uh, Mattisquan? I can't talk about it. They told me to stop talking about it. But you did anyway. I did it you because I wanted can- to brag about how it was ah. sold out. <laughs> right. And later he's going to spell Mattisquan. Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. Back in a moment. <laughs> Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A fast as three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You probably asked yourself the same question I asked myself. How could 74 million people vote for such a despicable human being? As Donald Trump. And I don't care if you're a liberal or a conservative, a Democrat or Republican. He is a vile man. He is dishonest. He is divisive. That's what he loves to do, just divide and have people fighting with each other. He's a racist. And he always appeals to the dark side of human nature, which he's very good at, unfortunately. How did they vote for him? Uh, Chuck Schumer still can't figure out uh, 74 million people voted for him, more than any sitting president in history. Jesse Waters here. Uh, so that's a pretty open, honest uh, way of assessing Donald Trump. That's outreach. That's Democrats yeah. reaching across <laughs> the aisle. And just, just all he did was put down 74 million people. What's, you know, what's the Trump problem? won because of attitude, and people liked his attitude because he said, I'm not going to take, you know what? From all of these politicians that have been screwing over the forgotten men and women of this country on trade, on immigration. And that's what galvanized this movement. 
and Chuck doesn't understand it. And instead of understanding the policies behind right. the attraction to Donald Trump and the attitude, because a lot of it was anti-PC stuff, he's just insulting them. And that's what Democrats don't understand. You never go after the voters, ever. It's like in TV. You never go after the audience. Right. You go after the leaders, right? the and politicians, let, not the people. Exactly. So, Jesse, who's going to be on your show? I don't want to get so caught up in our conversation because I know you find me riveting, and I do you uh, find you riveting. What <laughs> do you expect to have on your show at 8 o'clock on Saturday? I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going to be promoting someone else's book on my show, Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro will be there. So he has a book out about left-wing authoritarianism, and it's very good. I've browsed through it. Not going to lie. Not going to say I read it. You didn't memorize it. I didn't memorize it. And it's just exactly what you see going on today. The left telling you you must be vaccinated, telling you you can't say this, trying to cancel people they disagree with and basically consolidating power however possible. And big techs involved, corporate America is involved, obviously academic professors are involved. And it's, it's a real threat to, to the republic, and we'll be talking about that. Uh, that's it? We'll also have a crime segment where we'll be reviewing a lot of the surveillance footage. You've seen, like, major shootouts that it's are incredible. being captured all over the place. And then Raymond Arroyo. Have you ever heard of Raymond Arroyo? Yes. Raymond Arroyo is a special person. Not as riveting as you, Brian, but the man can tell a story and can sell a story, and we're going to be doing some very – Funny, lighthearted things with him at the end of the show that I think the audience is going to enjoy. Okay, let me ask you something honestly because you're a very tough critic. If there was a show out there with Dana Perino and me uh, on stage, and if it was September 25th at the Paramount Theater in Asbury Park, New Jersey, would you go to BrianKillMe.com and order a ticket? It's, it's just you two? Yeah. No one else. <laughs> and, and I think Paul McCartney. <laughs> And I think <laughs> you should tell everyone Paul see. McCartney's opening for you. Right. Dana. I was because I need a band and yeah. he seems to be very good at, at guitar. Seems to be right. You know, they a lot of they 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 jack that up in studio. He's no Clapton. He's no Clapton. A lot of that is, um, you know, I, I would go see you and Dana, just you two. But I'd have to get good seats. Right. Uh, you better not put me in the nosebleeds. I got to see what's left. We're going to see. There are some. There You're not are sold some, out yet? I'm not sold out yet. All right, yet. now you're going to be sold out. BrianKillMe.com. So I got to ask you. You have BrianKillMe.com. See, I don't have JesseWaters.com. Did you try for it? I lost it. My membership. It's like $25. Slipped for a day, and the day it expired, I didn't jump on it, and some cyber squatter bought it and it won't give it back. You, do you try to get a hold yeah, of the squatter? Yeah, I reached out to him. Crickets. <laughs> He owns me. <laughs> wow. Uh, and now it's going to be more valuable. It, thank right? you. If, if you're thank you. Yeah, to the grow. price goes up every day. Have you ever thought about tanking your career in an effort to get it back at an affordable rate? I, <laughs> <laughs> that's not something that's crossed my mind. <laughs> What's the point? Then you don't have the website. Oh, uh, that's a good point. Uh, I didn't think it through. Uh, <laughs> so let me talk about this infrastructure bill. They're debating yeah. it today, and it looks like they had 17 Republicans vote to have the debate it's $570 billion of new money, and then the rest is repurposed money. From what you've seen, do you sign on, on, on I this? don't follow infrastructure. A month ago, Joe Biden announced they had a bipartisan infrastructure deal. Right. There's no deal. I, all I you hear about fall is apart. mansion and cinema and this and that and infrastructure. When I hear infrastructure, my eyes glaze over. They have the majority. They're just going to jam through as much money as they can. And half of it won't be on infrastructure. And the Republicans just have to eat that blank sandwich. 
But they did work on uh, bridges and tunnels, and even Donald Trump had agreed on a certain amount. They have some green stuff in there, but it seems to be— Can they reduce traffic? No. If they could reduce traffic, I'd vote for it. Very practical. Hey, uh, Eric, what is that soundbite of Donald of uh, President Biden talking about what they're going to jam into the reconciliation bill? You got it? Listen to this. President Biden, how did your meeting on DACA go? It went very well. What I think we— sh- I think we should include in the reconciliation bill the immigration proposal. All right. So it's a game. Do you realize what you just said? Yeah. They'll slide in amnesty. Uh, And they'll nuke amnesty. Are you saying they'll just nuke amnesty through reconciliation? So they're going to pass this one bill and they go, okay, shake my hand, we compromise. Then the next one comes the next day, which is going to be minimum $3.5 trillion unless Kirsten Sinema or Joe Manchin Here's what I'm holding out hope for. We hope Cocaine Mitch— is smart enough as a parliamentarian. I love saying parliamentarian. When I say parliamentarian, it makes me sound so smart. As opposed to your Belinda? <laughs> I mean, better than your Belinda? I like saying parliamentarian tactics. If he could <laughs> use his parliamentarian tactics and somehow make sure this doesn't happen, I have a lot of faith in McConnell. He's a, he's a mover he's and a savvy. shaker. Savvy guy in the Senate, knows what he's doing. Very old, very, very savvy. Hopefully he can block it. And make sure it doesn't happen. But I don't know. They have the majority. This is raw political power at this point. It is. But Kirsten Sinema said, oh, 3.5. By the way, I can't figure her out. She is really – no one can figure her out. They don't want to rattle her cage too much because she got elected in a red you state. You like how she dresses, I heard. It's, it's you like how she has those high boots. I noticed that she wears You notice them. her outfits. Right. I heard. So she came out and she just said, I don't think I'm voting for that. And AOC and the left wing, the squad just attacked they her. They called her a racist. And they mentioned was like, good. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. Someone else You lose one guy or one woman, it's done. See, I don't like holding out hope for people like Cinema and Mansion. They always get my hopes up, right? It's yeah. like the girl that you think's going to get lucky with you. And she never does. She just flirts. She just, but you're never going to take her home. It's so interesting the way you phrased it. Get lucky with you as if it's an honor. Instead <laughs> of you going to get lucky with her, it's like, hey, she might get lucky with me. Right? I mean, that is only like Jesse Waters <laughs> can say it. Uh, Jesse Waters saved the world. He wrote about it. His book is on sale. It is still ranked extremely high. Go watch him on Wednesday. Go see him in person Wednesday. Where? Yes. Go see me on Wednesday in Northvale, New Jersey, 730. And go see everybody, Brian and Dana Perino. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We're going to defeat this a partisan effort, and uh, we're going to work hard uh, to do the, the work that people sent us here to do, to address these vaccine issues and the health disparities that have been exposed in this pandemic, to address issues of homelessness and cost of housing. Really? He's addressing cost of housing and homelessness? How's that going? Uh, cost of housing is going through the roof and the homelessness. He invited more homeless to California to reach to 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 feed their homeless dream. Congressman Darrell Issa joins us now, House Judiciary Committee. He's back at it and a member of the Board of Security Caucus. Congressman, welcome back. 
Well, thanks for having me back, and, and thanks for covering uh, some of the most absurd things that the American people have ever faced, whether it's uh, the man from the basement or the good-looking man from California or Maxine, uh, who apparently is going to be Fauci's new spokesperson. I did not know that. But first things first, uh, we see the governor. He says it's a pure partisan effort. We know you were part of the recall and uh, Gray Davis and helping Arnold Schwarzenegger get two terms. So, Congressman, what's going on with this recall? Is it all a Republican effort? You know, the numbers speak for themselves. About a third of uh, Californians are Republicans, and about 50 percent of Californians support the recall in the latest polls. So uh, the arithmetic says it's not Republicans alone, of course. Probably 90 percent of Republicans feel that way. Uh, but it's not. In, in a deep blue state, it takes independents and Democrats, and independents and Democrats are fed up with uh, a dictator who uh, continues to make California lag. You know, we've got among the highest unemployment in the country, well, we have the most ability to do things out in fresh air. You know, there are places where you you can't have outdoor dining, and yet we have a governor who maliciously closed down even outdoor dining when there was never uh, a guideline from uh, CDC that, that supported that. Uh, you know, and, and right now, as you uh, alluded to, he's trying to bribe his way out of a recall where Democrats and independents by far are the swing votes that are going to recall him. You guys have a, a, a surplus. With all the money you got from the federal government, there's a surplus in California right now. What's happening with that surplus? Well, with the highest taxes in the nation, uh, he's looking for ways to give it back, even though it's a one-time surplus from federal uh, money. Uh, and he's he, one of the places he decided to put it, as I think you alluded to, was uh, somewhere between seven and eleven billion dollars. He's going to put into uh, basically better tents for the homeless, porta potties for the homeless, and welcome mats for the homeless. Uh, this is this is a governor who's going to expand his voting base, whether they uh, uh, they live in tents or they come across the border. He's, he's, he's adamant about it, and he's got the money to do it. I think I told you I lived out there for a while, and I even worked in San Diego when I would, it was an old sports radio station, and they had an affiliate in Los Angeles. So I'd go back and forth, and people tell me the major thing that I would see different if I went out there today is the amount of homeless, not only overrunning Venice Beach, but they are everywhere lining the streets. How did this happen? It happened uh, a little bit like a slow boil. Uh, piece by piece, time after time, we uh, we did all the wrong things. Uh, we, under Obamacare, uh, we were a magnet for people with drug addictions to come out to these temporary uh, sort of rehabilitation centers that kept them until the money ran out and then put them on the street, uh, dramatically increasing the amount of people with, with serious uh, mental disabilities who represent a major part of our homeless population. But we also welcomed uh, people to live on the street and, 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 you know, use the street as a toilet uh, from San Francisco all the way down to Los Angeles. Orange County and San Diego pushed back, but they were fought by the courts. Uh, our, our last mayor was able to slightly reduce. He, he became the best performing uh, city in the state as far as uh, homelessness, but it still still wasn't good. He had to fight like crazy just to get the ability to take property that was sitting on the street with nobody at it because uh, the legislature and the uh, city council wanted him to wait 72 hours of abandonment 
uh, of things just sitting out in the middle of a public sidewalk. So those kinds of things all made it easy uh, to be that way. And then, quite frankly, we're very generous with public assistance for people who uh, choose not to work. And that's uh, it's all it's all been good for uh, for the homeless and bad for California. Here's the thing that kills you, though. I, you know, you you have a restaurateur who says, "I'd love to have outdoor dining because I can't uh, make it right now, but I can't have outdoor dining because I can't actually use my own sidewalk because there's tents on it, and I can't get those people out of there, even though." They're literally living and uh, using my sidewalk as a as a toilet, and these these restaurants have no place to go for relief. That's the California you'd see today. And he did invite he did invite more homeless out. I am not kidding. Uh, but just real quick, as the how does the recall work right now? There's a, first they have to vote to recall him, and then they have a vote for the next candidate. In a sense, but they're simultaneous. On one ballot, the first question is recall yes or no. Regardless of how you vote that way, you have an opportunity to vote for one of over 40 other candidates. Uh, 18 years ago, there were 135, but they're slightly less because of some maneuvering that the state did to uh, require things that reduced the likelihood that people were going to get on the ballot. Uh, but you make those two votes. If 50 plus 50 percent plus one vote yes on the recall, the next vote matters. If less than 50 percent vote to recall, the next vote doesn't matter. It's that simple. And most importantly, because I lived through this with Governor Schwarzenegger, 10 days after that vote, we have a new governor. It is there is no transition period beyond literally 10 days of, of the incoming governor working with the outgoing governor. Do you think Larry Elder has a chance? Is he the leader? Larry Elder, Larry Elder currently has the best chance. Uh, we haven't begun to hear him as the gubernatorial candidate, but as you know, we've all heard him as a spokesperson for conservative ideas right. uh, for decades. Uh, you know, he not only has a connection with the West Coast, but he has a connection with Cleveland. Uh, and, you know, he's he popped up to the top almost immediately. But there's a field of several who all would be fine. Here's the important thing. If you vote for the recall, you can be assured you're not going to get another Gavin. And that's the important thing. Uh, 18 years ago, we had Cruz Bustamante, who came relatively close. We could have ended up recalling a governor and ending up with no real change. If they uh, if they go with Larry Elder or they go with uh, Kevin Faulkner, they're going to see a real change, uh, particularly as to homelessness, as to management of the uh, administration, some real changes in message that uh, he can't undo the legislature, but he can change the kind of wasteful activity that's going on in California. As all the idiocy I've seen in the House, I would argue that this threat of arrest on mass mandates in the House, while the Senate does not have to use a mask because of a variant that you're vaccinated for, listen to Congresswoman Nancy Mace, Cut 22. To advise the Capitol Hill police that staff and visitors to Capitol Hill will be arrested for not wearing a mask, she has gone totally nuts on this thing. And I can think of no worse incentive than telling the American people that if you're vaccinated and you you must still wear a mask, because do vaccinations work or do they not? And the CDC guidance that they're supposedly basing it on, requiring House members to be masked up, and, and yet when you cross over to the the Senate side, there's no COVID because there's right. no masks required over there. Congressman, you're a business guy. You have a military background. You've been in, in politics for a long time. Have you ever seen such 
uh, vengefulness on the part of a leader, number one, and number two, such idiocy in the part of a policy? Only in her previous speakership. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has done a lot of things. She once made it illegal to fly unscheduled airlines with a rule. And then when we pointed out that the rule would have made it illegal for us to get on a United Airlines flight, she didn't change it. She just said, well, that's silly. And it was silly, but it's what the rule said. This is the Nancy Pelosi reality. Here's my reality. Uh, I will respect the fact that she controls the House floor. I wear my mask when I go on the House floor. The moment I walk off, I consider that I'm part of the Congress, which has traditions. And since the Senate tradition is no mask, I identify with the Senate. Here's the, here's the thing. You uh, have a situation where in Washington, D.C., if you are a murder suspect, you get an ankle bracelet and a court date. If you don't wear a mask on the House floor in the same building that the Senate can wear a mask, you will get arrested. I mean, where do these people, what type, what planet are they on? They're on a control planet. Uh, as you saw, the CDC uh, suggested if you're from a, an area of an outbreak uh, that you consider wearing masks uh, indoors and outdoor, indoors only. Uh, but, you know, the members of Congress, all of whom were vaccinated, are sitting there going, Washington is not one of those areas. The Senate clearly is not one of those areas. But this is this is a push for control. Here's something that, that wasn't on the schedule to talk about, but I think it's important. The Democrats are trying right now to extend a moratorium on evictions. The reason they want to extend it is they want to tell you that this is still going on 18 months later, and it's nowhere close to ending. If that's the message after more than half of Americans uh, got vaccinated and all those who wanted to, there's a few more, but, but for the most part, they've been vaccinated. We have driven down the numbers. If there is no relief with a vaccine, then there is no relief ever. And if that's the new America, then quite frankly, there's going to be a new America by a, a popular revolt. Americans are not going to let their, their, the America they believe in, the constitutional America, be justified for a change just based on a disease that is never going to end. Uh, and, and in fairness, you know, H1N1, the Spanish flu, they're always going to be with us to a certain extent. Uh, Americans accept that. Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to accept giving up this kind of power that she and others have had to control Americans. Uh, but look, I see a lot of failed uh, economies around the world. I'm not going to let America be one of them. And Americans, at least in my district, aren't going to tolerate it. I hear you, uh, Congressman. I guess this big infrastructure debate starting on the Senate side, from what you've read, can you sign off on that? I cannot. Uh, you know, the uh, the fact is that uh, there is this is a bad time for a stimulus bill. We, we, we don't have unemployment. We have people who aren't returning to work where jobs are waiting. We have inflation. Uh, I grew up during an era uh, leading up to Jimmy Carter and then to Ronald Reagan where we had to fight inflation so much so that even in recessions, we couldn't get rid of inflation. Uh, I know the American people know that inflation steals from from them. It steals from their paycheck, uh, and it helps raise their taxes. So I'm not going to do anything that uh, that is not absolutely necessary. 
that's going to then make inflation worse. The American people are feeling that inflation, uh, even if they're not buying, uh, uh, you know, wood to to add on to their house. Right. They're buying gasoline, and they're seeing inflation that you know you hear it's five percent. It's not five percent at the gas pump. It's not five percent at Home Depot, and so the places where you and I go to shop for things that we probably really need, uh, it's a lot more than 5%. And that's it, that's it on top of the fact that we, not enough people have gone back to work to make the su- supply chain work smoothly. And, uh, you know, even automobiles are in short supply. So if you can't get enough automobiles and people are asking you to come back to work and you're, and you're not coming back to work because of stimulus, I'll be blank, you know what, if I'm going to uh, promote that kind of stimulus. And that's even before you get into this social uh, infrastructure, this uh, human infrastructure, this idea that it's no longer just bridges, but uh, whatever they want to spend it on. And I'm, I, I think that, that absurdity, we, we don't even get to at this point, but I certainly think your listeners understand that spending money on people, although it may, some of it may do some good, it's not the right. historic meaning of infrastructure, and it's certainly not uh, the right way to stimulate now. Yeah, that's the reconciliation package. So I think it's great what you're doing. You have three uh, events to salute Vietnam veterans, uh, August 2nd on Monday, 10 to 11 at Temecula Civic Center. Uh, and then on Tuesday, August 3rd, 10 to 11, in the California Center for Arts. And then on Wednesday, August 4th, from 10 to 11, at the Ronald Reagan Community Center over in Douglas Avenue in El, El Cajon. El, El Cajon. Um, yes. So, and, and we may even, may even have to add more because each of these are getting close to sellout. Uh, and a lot of people want to come and meet these uh, men and women who served at a time when we weren't thanking those who served during the Vietnam era. Uh, it's it's a great opportunity to thank them. They're getting a medal, and they're getting that thank you, that recognition that so many didn't get when they came home. Got it. Uh, Congressman, great thing you're doing. Congressman Darrell Issa, thank you. Thank you. Take you, care, Brian. You got it. one 866 Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. This is not an anti-vaccine stand. It's a pro-freedom stand. That's what you're not getting. What is the difference when you are ignoring the science that suggests that if you get vaccinated, you protect yourself, you protect the people around you, and you help us get out of this pandemic a little bit faster? Then why did you leave your house when, when you had COVID? I mean, you had it, and you left your house. I mean, it's been documented. First right? of all, so it has been documented. My ass, it's been documented. The science is clear, Tony. I'm I don't want you, you to get sick. I was hoping it was a little bit of a stunt. Oh. You have the freedom not to take the vaccine. Well, I just ask, don't know why you think it's a good move. Maybe we should ask your brother about protecting people, right? I made my case. You didn't have much to say. You didn't have much to say. I mean, so I honestly, it. you sound like an idiot, so there's not much to say. So that was a little of the fun Chris Cuomo had on his show when he got talked to a restaurant owner who said he'd only... Uh, except the unvaccinated. He's into freedom, and he's really resentful of what the Cuomos did, and I don't blame him. Let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. Well, cops who called in an apartment in Spain over a noisy disturbance only to find a home-alone cat had turned a stereo on 
way up with his paw. Police went into the apartment building in Lugo on Monday on Sunday after residents called to complain. The unnamed guy who lives in the Ronda Dasfano complex returned home to take care of the curious kitty problem, according to local media outlets. We follow all Spain cat stories. That's what I think. That's the reason we're so successful. It's interesting that this cat apparently has a habit of doing this. Did you have any pets that you think would have been musically inclined or had DJ skills? More on that later. Let's go and talk about the Olympics. Olympic swimmer can barely contain themselves after the announcer compliments a third leg. You're 18 years old. It's your first Olympics. And you swam. Honestly, your third leg was just phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, I get it. Yeah, your 18-year-old is not your first Olympics, okay? Immediately after swimmer Tom Dean chuckled and visibly struggled to keep his composure as his mind went straight to the gutter, while teammate Matthew Richards, to whom the comment was directed, held back a grin, awkwardly paused before words. So there is some excitement at the Olympics. Next, U.S. Olympic swimmer Ryan Murphy sparks doping controversy after a Russian win. Uh, Ryan Murphy ignited controversy in Tokyo. Murphy vented his frustrations after he took silver in the 200-meter backstroke, losing to a Russian. Quote, I've got 15 thoughts. 13 of them could get would get me in a lot of trouble. The Russian Olympic Committee responded on its official Twitter account. How unnerving our victories are of individual colleagues. Uh, yes, we are here at the Olympics. Absolutely right. Whether someone likes it or not. Uh, there's a lot of guys. They got so many people using uh, illegal drugs. They got suspended from Olympic competition. They are basically just in there as individual athletes. Can you imagine losing the gold to a person you know is cheating? That's really what they were saying. By the way, the women won in penalty kicks. They advanced to the semifinals. Lucky to get by Netherlands. Megan Rapino had the winning goal. She would hate to win the gold because she wouldn't have, she have to deal with the national anthem. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.